0: Hello and welcome to Homebrew from Time for Cakes and Ale with me Bex and me Ethan. and this time we're talking to Tony Black who is a writer, pop culture commentator and season podcaster behind the We Made This podcast network. Hi Tony.
1: Hi that's a really nice description of me. I, I wouldn't classify myself in anywhere near that those cooler terms
2: so I'm, I'm, I'm really <laughs> grateful for that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, so to kick things off um this is what we're asking everyone at the moment. How are you getting on during the lockdown? Uh well, I am uh surviving
1: as we are. Just drinking so much tea, I feel like I'm just gonna become a big tea blob. <laughs> what a term. Um No, it's it's not too bad. I'm finding that I'm balancing uh work uh, realities with uh, I, I work in a school so I work with uh, sixth formers I'm like a mentor so I do a lot of pastoral and academic stuff so I'm doing a lot of emailing contacting students and things like that in the day and then around that I'm managing to find time to be creative as well so um, I'm you know my wife is very similar in that sense because she she again works in a school and she is uh, finding time to do lots of other things that she enjoys you know on a holistic sense and things like that so it's not too bad we're we're quite we're quite fortunate really in that we're we're in stable jobs where we we're getting paid and we have the space to kind of enjoy it we don't have children yet, so you know we're in a space where we're not overloaded with stuff it's quite we're slightly privileged i suppose which is quite nice
0: so how has well this is an incredibly broad question but what has this actually done to the structure of teaching at the moment in, in terms of, obviously, a lot of exams are postponed. Are you still going through syllabuses with people? Is it is it all still kind of running just like a, a normal curriculum online or is it completely different now?
1: It's a little bit seat of your pants, to be honest. And I think anyone in the uh, school industry, and I, I, must, I must confess, I'm not a teacher. So I, I can't look at it from a teacher's perspective exactly because I don't teach... Uh, content so I wouldn't like to you know say too much about how they're finding it but from a general organizational perspective and interacting you know you, there there are lots of jobs and I don't know if you've spoken to people or you will speak to people in those kind of jobs where working from home a lot of people are going to turn around and go actually I can do this at home for half the week at least it doesn't make any difference the job that I do and that my wife does is you can't do it properly. You can't really do it the same unless you have that face-to-face interaction with young people. So a lot of it is figuring out as we go, a lot of uncertainty inside of students, a lot of improvisation really from our side in terms of keeping them on task. and get. I mean, I work with sixth formers, so a lot of it is, even though their exams are cancelled, a lot of it is encouraging them to still do work, to still get coursework done, to still revise with the knowledge that there might well be some level of mock exam in september that they wouldn't normally have because of the way this year has gone by or at the very least getting them ready for the next year you know which we in theory will start in september as normal so it's it's sort of uh a very it's the most unusual time in my profession i think we will ever face and it's a lot of it is improvisation as you go really
2: yeah, certainly something that I've found is um again, again, you know, it's a it's a nice position to, you know, to have a stable job and, and to have the option to work from home and you know, continue. But I've noticed how I've become so aware of how reliant I was on face to face interactions, even even slightly random ones, just the ability to be around people all the time and to, you know, to chat to them and say hello. And I think it's interesting that initially the work from home side of thing becomes about how you're going to keep sort of the formal structure going with uh, with meetings and you know and trying to keep things face-to-face with sort of video conferencing but then the other aspect is how you keep the kind of social aspect going from a face-to-face aspect um which you can't really do on you know on things like whatsapp and, and sort of messaging and you have to start building in time when you do keep that normality as well which is which has been interesting certainly in terms of my needs i think also the needs of other people as well that you know that that reliance that we have in, in the world on, on being mm. able to just interact with people all the time. Yeah,
1: my, my wife is better at the separation thing definitely than I am in that she she will go and work in the, the other living room and then where we normally would, you know, watch the TV and things like that, she, she will part from there and she will then come back later. Whereas I'm terrible, I just stay, <laughs> I stay in my spot all day <laughs> and I'm flipping between my work laptop, my personal laptop, uh, something on the TV, you know. So it's, it's, it is. I, I, I do wonder if much the same in that I will come to a point where I start to feel like the lines are blurred too much. And I've already now properly, got, I didn't, I didn't do it before because it wasn't a massive necessity, but I've now set up my phone to actually correspond with work and things like that. And I am saying to myself, like, for instance, it's the Easter holidays now and we've been told, don't do any work, basically, for two weeks. And I was fully expecting that to be gone I thought okay well the hospitals can't shut down the reason that people are in school and working with children is because their parents still need to go to work so I fully expected the Easter holidays to sort of be cancelled but they've said no no which is lovely of them no no go and don't you know don't do any work so now it's the question of the temptation to check in on that even despite being off is quite powerful you know because the separation over the last two weeks which I'm sure it's the same for you has felt like two years really. <laughs> so much has <laughs> happened, such a mindset change. It, it's quite strong. And there is that inf- that enforcement of, no, we've got to separate. We've got to be actually having specific times when we do this kind of stuff. And we have been trying to work to that. We've been trying to get up at the same time, get into the same kind of routine that we would when we go to work, finish at roughly the same time. But it is, it's really challenging. And you don't realise it until... And this is the first job I've ever done where I've properly worked from home. So you don't realise till you do it how... Yeah, how reliant we are on the traditional structures of a job when you're out there working with people and that when that's gone, the line just very quickly blurs between the two. It's very, very unusual.
0: So how did you first get into podcasting, changing text dramatically?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I just... um, I think I'd started listening years ago to the Ricky Gervais podcasts um, way back in the day, which were the first... Time I ever remember the word podcast they might have coined the word podcast, I don't know actually, but I remember those, and I listened to those for years and then suddenly i I, th- I must have come across a film show or something like that, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to try my hand at this so I just sat in front of a an, a mac an iMac, and talked into the iMac with no sound equipment, really <laughs> about six years ago, and uh I enjoyed it, and then it just sort of spiraled from there, really, so I can't say there was a specific you know moment of this is what I must do. It was more just. I quite like the idea. Well, you know, I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> I must like the sound of my own voice because I was fine just talking to a mic <laughs> about film. Yeah, of course. Loads of people are going to want to know what you know what I think of film. Some random guy from the Midlands, uh, but it just. I, once I started getting people involved, it rapidly became far more than just. I, I think had I just stayed doing it on my own, I wouldn't have stuck at it for six years. Was
0: there a particular? show or film that got you into fandom in a big way that you knew you were definitely going to want to talk about?
1: Well I mean that would be the X-Files 100% because that was the that was the first podcast I really feel like I uh properly invested in you know before that I'd done a couple of film shows and they were they were fine they were they were good practice really but the the X-Cast which is still going now nearly five years later and will go for many years more um is is one that just, that is my favourite TV show of all time. And once that, it was quite, quite serendip- serendipitous because it was coming back in 2016, which was, um, so I'd been doing the podcasting for about a year and I had a bit of a break in 2014 and I sort of came back to it in 2015. And then at the end of that year, finding out the X-Files was coming back, I was like, this is the right time. And there's not a lot of X-Files podcasts out there, really. So it just it just sort of all came together. And, and I knew that I had the passion enough for that, subject in that tv show for it to go for a
2: long time um and thankfully it has (laughs) it's still there and were you surprised at at how uh rapidly it kind of grew and became well i think to be honest it is it is basically the current x-files podcast which exists there are lots kind of going on but yours is the one that's taken this approach of going episode by episode and and discussing it, lots of guests, lots of people who've been on the program who were involved behind the scenes for example um do you think it that as a as a medium uh podcasting became a natural way to to sort of engage with uh, other members of um of the same fandoms well firstly, it's very kind of you to describe us as the x files podcast that's very nice
1: um and <laughs> there are there are other other good options available, but I think as has sort of carved a bit of a a little bit of a niche, at least, which is great, and there's a lovely community built around it. And I think it, it, it's. Well, when I first started it, it, I was on all the episodes, and then it got to about a season and a half in, and I'd got plenty of guests, and I'd got people who I thought were really good at, at this whole thing, and I, I said, you know, do you want, do you guys want to host a few? Because there were, <laughs> in truth, there were certain episodes that I was like, I'm not bothered about that one. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about that one. Um, <laughs> And it was my way of sort of getting around that. And by then I was starting to think about doing other podcasts as well and sort of spreading my wings. And I'm a little bit of a mind in which I I can't sort of rest on one thing. You know, I admire the people I've met in the X-Files fandom who are wonderful. Many of them are patrons of the show and beyond that they are friends and they're fantastic people. But, and some of them are amazing in that they live and breathe that show. And, I, and, and they know so much about it and they're so passionate about it and everything like that. And I am, but I have myself, I have to go off and do other things. I have to have a break, basically, and I have to go and do other, other bits and bobs. So the fact that it then grew out of these people who were really passionate, who really invested in the podcast, who then were at a point where they wanted to try hosting or they wanted to get more involved. And I was very keen to encourage that because a it allowed me to have that separate space, but also it allowed for the fandom to to grow around the podcast for us to be able to share in you know these kind of discussions and take it beyond just a conversation on a on a converse, you know on, on a on a podcast and actually into message mm-hmm. groups and patron areas and and proper actual meetups you know and um, there was a big X Files convention last year in in Chicago that uh, a few British people went over. I couldn't make it, sadly, because of my work. But there was a big meet-up and there were podcasting going on live and all this stuff. It's wonderful. So I think it it didn't surprise me as such, but it didn't feel uh, shocking because it was just quite organic, really, in the way it happened. And I'm very fortunate because it doesn't happen with every podcast to build that sense of community. And I think it says a lot about that fandom in particular for the X-Files that people are really just – it's one of the nicer fandoms to be honest, mm-hmm. out there, <laughs> which is great.
0: So one of the great things we've found about podcasting is um, there's a very kind of DIY grassroots element to it where on a basic level, you don't need anything more than a microphone and an internet connection. Yeah. Um, and if you want to have guests on, they could be next door or literally the other side of the world. It doesn't matter in terms of how you put the podcast together. So, is podcasting basically a pursuit made for these strange times we find ourselves
1: in? <laughs> well, I sometimes make the joke that you know, of course, I, I've got a podcast. I'm a white man in my late thirties, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I think there is there is something about the 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 fact that podcasting has become a, a very yeah a very DIY approach that people anyone can pick up, and it's sort of designed for people I think maybe with more spare time on their hands or the ability to balance their you know professional lives and their personal lives and sort of find a way to feed that creativity and you know it's not that I mean my area is obviously popular culture but there are podcasts there are way more podcasts for lots of other subjects you know out there so it's not necessarily about having to tap into a creativity, but I, in a way, I think all podcasting is creative. I think it doesn't matter whether you're talking about the X Files or you're talking about running a business. I think at the at the end of the day, that the technique is the same. What you have to put, how you put that together, is, is similar. You have to record, you have to edit, you have to invite on guests. It's a very similar process. And I think for a situation like this right now, particularly with the lockdown. It has been a question on my mind. I'm certainly doing more podcasting. I'm certainly feeling I have the space to do that, but i I don't know if it's one of the. I've been wondering whether it's something that would inhibit people podcasting would, would they Would they worry that this was all just flippant and flimsy? There's there's one thing I have when if ever I'm going through something difficult in my life, I find it really difficult to both write and podcast because I feel like it's it's not. As important that it's not it, it feels like I'm not paying enough attention to what is more important in life I don't know how re- really to explain that but it's a feeling that I'm waste I shouldn't be doing this right now and I'm fortunate in that I haven't had that many instances of that over the last six years but there have been moments where there have been things going on and it's all just felt a waste of time and then in a situation like this, I'm thinking, well, actually, I don't think it is. I think it's good for the mental health in In this situation. I feel like doing these kind of things is is helping me with this process, really. So I think it kind of depends on your mindset as to, as to how you podcast and what it means to you, I think, as a person.
2: So we've noticed in the last couple of weeks, especially, there's been a lot of talk on social media about... Um, these watch along episodes where you know creators and and stars of TV shows, I, I think it's mainly been happening with Doctor Who, mm. have been involved in these global uh, re yeah. of specific episodes, and it kind of got us thinking about about the concept of uh, not only the X Cast but things that we've done as well with the prison mm. and Twin Peaks, which are these episode by episode kind of podcasts that allow people to to essentially you know watch you know watch something, commentate on it, sort of get some insight into get a discussion going. Um, you know do you think that this idea of being able to um, go quite forensically through a specific show that may not have uh, necessarily a massive audience but certainly a very dedicated audience do you think both podcasts along that kind of format but also these watch alongs etc are going to you know permanently change how people interact in fandoms certainly now that you know shows are now being simulcast across the world i used mm. to remember even with the x-files it was it was a year behind the us and it <laughs> really really annoyed me when, yeah. when we got to fight the future and we were still finishing up series four and it was it seemed like you know a very traumatic time <laughs> um, well, back then it did certainly um, yeah but yeah but now everything's kind of connected and people want to discuss things sort of day and date i mean do you think this is going to be yeah a sort of a, a gradual change has it already happened
1: well, two things before I answer that properly. Firstly, I have to say, I'm a big fan of your Prisoner uh, episodes, by the way, in, the, in this oh, format. I love those. I thought they were fantastic. And I'm looking forward to your Twin Peaks ones, but I haven't watched Twin Peaks fully for years. So I'm waiting <laughs> until I properly have a go at that, and then I will use them as a complimentary thing. So they're fantastic. Um, also, given you guys a legacy... X-Files fans, why have you not been on the X-Cast yet and we're going to make this happen, okay? All right. <laughs> okay, cause it needs to. Um but yeah, I think the the I think the concept of the episode by episode going through a show has been there for a while, but I think what's shy, and and particularly the um the sort of after-show reactionary thing. I mean, iTunes even now has a a, a category of called after-shows because there's so many podcasts now that people immediately when they watch an episode of uh, well, I've been doing Star Trek Picard recently in that style. So they watch an episode of Picard or they watch an episode of Westworld or any of these big shows that particularly have a following and they encourage this kind of discussion. And the X-Files was one of those, and as as is Twin Peaks and these kind of things. They are so popular. They, they have their subcategory now. And I think they have been there. But I think what's changing is that in the... Well, particularly in this situation, the simulcasting... The I mean, you, you're having people come on Twitter like Stephen Moffat now to talk about Doctor Who. Now, he wouldn't have been seen dead anywhere near Twitter <laughs> for years. He would very publicly say, oh, I'm not going on that. It's awful, you know, in his Scottish accent. Uh, <laughs> bad impression, but there you go. Um, and, and Russell T. Davis as well. And these are people who, like, fans have been salivating to come on social media and talk and do these kind of things. And they're people who've written, you know, articles or books or have been in documentaries talking about their process and people are whether you like what they do or not they're fascinating people to listen to i mean i'd encourage anyone to read the writer's um what's he called The, the writer's tale that russell t davis did about his tenure writing doctor who which is a fantastic resource for anyone who wants to be a writer and so them coming on and doing these watch alongs for the day of the doctor or i think they did the the 13th um the oh, what's it called? The, the the first episode with Matt Smith. I can't remember the name of the title. Oh, the
2: eleventh hour. The eleventh
1: hour. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. They did that just recently, and I think it's 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 a fantastic way, and it's not just because of these creators, but it's getting these fandoms together, and I think it's it's creating a sense of collegiate response to a lot of these shows, and and it's quite telling that a lot of them are not, are for things that are just beloved in fandom. They're not necessarily things that have just come out either. It's becoming a bit of a a mix of these various different mediums, whether it's podcasting, whether it's social media. And I think it's encouraging fandom to come together in that respect. And I think that's important because fandoms in recent years, and this is something that I haven't seen as much of, thankfully, in the X-Files, and that's why it's one of the nicer ones. But particularly for Star Wars is a case in point, especially fandom has been quite ugly for a long time. And the way that people are responding to new attempts to push these fandoms forward and to push these ideas forward has been has been met with an incredible wave of negativity so if anything like this is being able to sort of stitch a little bit of that together i think it's fantastic and i i'm hoping that from my little tiny corner of the podcast world we can contribute to that with things like the picard after shows and other projects that we can do because i think fandoms can be wonderful but they just they've been like like much of the world they've been a little bit broken (laughs) you know (laughs)
0: there's there's something about these um watch alongs particularly some of the um ones that are, you know going back to shows that were maybe 10 20 30 years ago now mm. where the where the creators uh, are um people involved are coming on board and and doing these live watch alongs there's a, a nostalgia and a sense of community to it that reminds me a little bit of you know how when Sometimes a band will go on tour mm. to play an entire album that came out 10, 20 years ago, mm. and the concert will literally just be the entire album in order. <laughs> um, and there'll be songs that, you know, ha- they haven't played on tour for years and, years and years. This all feels like an eternity ago, talking about going to see a concert. Yeah, um, it does. <laughs> but it's, it's that idea of, you know, yes, there's a nostalgia element to it, but also... They're fun because everybody who goes along to them are, are, are going along because they love that thing and mm. they just want to embrace it. This feels like that kind of atmosphere, but it's something that people can engage in while they are completely isolated, potentially, at home. It it gives you a, a community to be involved in and in a connection, an instant connection with people from all over who love the same thing that you love. Mm. And and as you say, it's, it's, they have generally been very positive things in fandoms which can be extremely fractured at the moment
1: and i i I think it's there's something about the i mean nostalgia is everywhere right now and nostalgia has been everywhere for years you know i can i can point to the x-files as a good example you know that was one of the wave of shows that came back for a revival and if anyone who is who is quite independent of it all will be honest and that they weren't as good and they weren't as good as the old series and there was something that wasn't quite there for a lot of those episodes and I think for all of these revivals, it's the same for Star Trek Picard. Much as I have enjoyed that in many places, it's not It's not the same. Now, the difference between those two shows, just as an example, is that the X-Files came back and it was trying to be exactly the same thing. It was just happens to be 20 years later or nearly 20 years later. The, Star Trek Picard is an example of taking what used to exist and putting a character in a completely different paradigm. And in that, it should be applauded because it's trying to do something different intentionally. Hasn't always worked, but it's trying. And I think what the the fandom coming together aspect in terms of these simulcasts and these watchalongs is that it's tapping into the nostalgia for a time and a particular point in that fandom that people loved or they've retroactively sort of um turned into something that was that was much more idealized and perfect than it was at the time. Like every time, for instance, with Doctor Who, every time you get a new Doctor, there's a whole legion of fans going, it's not as good, he's not as good, she's not, in this case, she's not as good. And the reality is, usually, and I would say this, for, particularly for Doctor Who, the the actor playing the Doctor is probably the best thing in the whole thing, <laughs> Each for each era. And I'd say that, they haven't all, oh, Jodie Whittaker's amazing, she just hasn't got the material quite often, and that's why it's not particularly great right now, with Doctor Who, as an example. But, People will latch on to these particular episodes, and they will try and almost fashion this this time when things were better. And I think that's that's what nostalgia is is all about. And that's why nostalgia has crept a lot into fandom. And why and why when it, when particularly creators try and push beyond that, they met with a real wave of resistance. Because I think there is a lot of it, there's a, there's a desire to just stay where we are. There's a desire to or, or to go back. To a point, like I say, we not necessarily everyone was as happy as they think they were, but it, it, there's there's something powerful in in that feeling of collectively remembering something that was better, and I th- I think th- and it, a time like this and and those kind of events sort of sort of really bring that out in fandoms and they um, they encourage it and it but like we say it's not necessarily a bad thing because if it's if it's making people talk about what they love in a positive way then that's fantastic and that's to be encouraged, I think.
2: Yeah, to add to your point, do you think that one aspect of these watch-along uh, podcasts is that they, you know, although they can be critical and, you know, and they can take the material and compare it to the whole uh, sort of mythology of that show and say, you know, this episode is better than another one, for example, this one may be not very good. Generally, they're made by people who do actually like these yeah. programs. And... Therefore, the general tone is always uh, well either positive or it's it's critical, but it's in you know it's not from a nasty it's from a it's not from a nasty perspective. Mm. Do you think that actually that makes sometimes a podcast about a show that you might go and seek out if you're interested in a specific program different to potentially going on Twitter and you know and wondering what people think about the latest episode of, of mm. Doctor Who, for example, because obviously you'll get you'll get all kinds of responses on twitter because it's easy to say you know whatever you want and it's and there's no filter to it but in a podcast if you went to for example a you know a doctor who podcast generally it would be about it would be made by people who are putting the effort in because they like that program mm. and they'd probably be engaging with it because they like it and they'll know that if you're going to listen to it it's probably because you're interested in the program as well
1: yeah 100% and it, <laughs> it's funny because when we were doing the uh, the picard podcast there, there was a there was an episode halfway through that season that wasn't very good, and the the person I had on, um, a good friend of mine called Zat Moore, a very accomplished podcaster, he was quite ne- we were we were negative about it without being horrible about it. Now, now yeah. he and I are lo- legacy Star Trek fans. We've loved it for thirty odd years. We don't. We, there's no way that either of us. He he's he's ran he, like a, an original series Star Trek podcast for years. He's just finished that there's no way that we would put this much effort into creating something for something we didn't in like (laughs) that. Yet (laughs) the moment we, we criticized that episode and we were quite, we were fairly, I'd, I'd like to think we were fairly critical in our criticism and we weren't just saying, Oh, that was rubbish. That was, that's not how I do podcasts. That's not how we work. But we had a little bit of backlash from people who didn't like the very idea that we were even questioning that fan, that, that episode. And my issue with that and i was quite i wasn't defensive but i would t- say to anyone well with respect if you want to find if you want to go and look for something that is purely 100% this was brilliant without any kind of filter then maybe that's not this isn't for you because i think you can you can absolutely love a, fa- a property, a fandom, a TV show, a movie or whatever and you can still be critical of it and you can still see the flaws and you can comment on those flaws and you can encourage, particularly if it's an ongoing TV series and like we were saying, we were recording it days after it had come out You and so we don't know what's coming next, you know. So we can we have that space to sort of think about what could be better, what could have been done better, what could happen next time from our perspective and I think that on Twitter you will, and these social media networks, you'll get extremes. You'll either get people who love every minute of it and will not see any flaws or there are people who despise it and quite often it's for reasons that aren't about the episode there is a particular dislike they have of a, an actor in it or a character or a writer or that even that fandom if they're on the hate side or if they're on the complete love side they can't they refuse to see anything bad they refuse to see any constructive criticism and I can't deal with either of those people <laughs> because I'm in, I'm in the middle, you know, and the way I approach fandom is I'm in the middle. I, I, I there are things I love. I don't think there are things I hate because I just don't watch that. St- I, if I don't like something, I just won't carry on with it. I'm just thinking, okay, fair enough. It's not for me, but if I love a fandom, I will absolutely engage in it. But I always feel like I do it, not necessarily at a remove, but at a point where I've, I can have a bit of distance and I can think, okay, that was a that was fun but it didn't really work or that wasn't great Create critically but i loved it (laughs) you know either way so i think with a podcast you can i'd like to think the podcasts i listen to certainly are the ones that are filled with passion and filled with love of the subject matter but they're not afraid to suggest why it why it doesn't work at times or you know analyze it without you know, coming across like they, <laughs> they're they uh, <laughs> betraying some great, <laughs> you know, heresy. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. That's that's where I sit, really.
0: Is there a particular show, X-Files aside, that you would uh, recommend people to go out and um, binge watch right now while we all have the time? Or something that you yourself have found the time to sit down and watch over the past few weeks?
1: Well, it's funny she'd ask that because I'm currently right at the beginning of season four of fringe from 2008 to 2013 that show ran i don't know if you've seen fringe um it was from the jj abrams bad robot stable so in uh, in the wake of things like alias lost etc and uh i watched that back in the day and i really enjoyed it and i'm absolutely loving like this rewatch where me and my wife have devoured season three Within like four days, <laughs> twenty two <laughs> episodes, and uh, you know the first two seasons of that show are a little bit rocky, but towards the end of season two, it really kicks into another gear, and it's just great fun. It sort of builds, and anyone who likes the X Files will like Fringe. It's just a different, it's a different approach. It's it's building on a lot of what that show did. Um, and so that's that. I go I go away and watch Fringe. It's it's on um for UK listeners. It's on Stars Play. So if you can uh, get a. Uh, a month's, get, pay a fiver, get that for a month. You could, do, you could binge that show and then cancel your subscription. That's what I do. <laughs> Quite often for these things.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people are also, when it comes to looking for things to watch, they are, I've noticed at least on Twitter, going back to shows that they gave up on a few years ago where they said, you know, for example, I watched the first, you know, the first series, wasn't that impressed, gave up on it. Mm. But now people are starting to find a little bit more time on their hands. Certainly lots of more shows are becoming available on various streaming networks. Mm. Even I know... Um, uh, even the BBC iPlayer is starting to put back box sets of, yeah. of older shows as well, and people are suddenly realising that they do have the time to go back to things where you know it's not a positive of the situation, but the fact that people are looking for things to do it might mean that people do start revisiting, mm. maybe finding new things to uh, uh, to watch or listen to.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, we're in. We're in, <laughs> it couldn't have gone better for streaming services. This in a way because. Yeah. Disney Plus, I mean, they must have some sort of crystal ball, I think, because they, they have launched at precisely the right point. So then you can go on there and you can you can binge watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, a whole variety of TV shows and movies. You've got uh, things like Britbox now as well, which has which now been around for a few months and is... I mean, I've got BritBox and I'm thoroughly enjoying a One Foot in the Grave rewatch right now. So there's tons of <laughs> like old British comedy and uh, uh, drama, particularly. I mean, it's probably aimed more at a middle age age gap age you know demographic really BritBox, but there is still a lot of really good stuff on there. So you've got that's aside from Netflix, Amazon Prime, all these different things. So I think right now there is a cornucopia of choice out there. It's just um, separating the wheat from the chaff a little bit, you know. The um, <laughs> if if you're thinking of watching V Wars on, on Netflix, don't bother. Okay, you, you don't, <laughs> you, believe me, you don't have to watch everything. You know, there there is still um, <laughs> it's still worth curating. But yeah, it's. I was saying this actually to um, to some friends. We were we were uh, FaceTiming some friends, and we were talking about the whole lockdown situation, and we were we were making the point that we, had this happened twenty years ago it would have been a lot more difficult for people to lock down and still be entertained because we didn't have streaming services. We didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have, you know, phones that could do that. We couldn't talk to each other and see each other. We we, we couldn't sit down and watch tons of television and movies and things like that. Yeah, we had videos or, you know, we had that kind of... But it just wasn't we had, it wasn't the same. We had satellite, sure, but it was... We now, right now, are in a, are in a position where we have anything at our fingertips entertainment wise so there's no reason people can't just hunker down if they if they're if they have access to that and they're lucky enough and fortunate enough to have access to all that and that you know and not, I'm aware not everybody does but if they do there's no reason they they can't in some sense make the best of this and actually find that time to watch that show or watch that movie or record that podcast or listen to that podcast or read that book you know and I th- so I think if you're in that position and you're privileged enough then it's a great time for that, really,
2: right now. So could you tell us a little bit about, uh, and it might be a test of memory, because I know it's expanding all the time, some of the shows that you currently have on the uh, uh, We Made This podcast network? Um, have we got another hour and a half? Because it's going to take a <laughs> while. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the We Made This podcast network is been around for just over a year now. And it's the, the X-Cast, I'd say, is kind of the flagship series, really. That's what it was sort of built around. But there are, there are various others, and a lot of them are... It's skewed into popular culture, so it's a mixture of television, it, uh, film shows, music, things like that. So we've got a Millennium sp- uh, series about the TV show Millennium, which is also from Chris Carter, the X-Files creator, uh, called The Time Is Now, which is in its second season. We've got Make It So, my Star Trek podcast, which is moving from Star Trek Picard into Star Trek Discovery and going back through that. So it's covering the modern era of Star Trek. We've got... Uh, a Fringe podcast, talking about Fringe. We've got one called Observing the Pattern, which again is going episode by episode. So we've got quite a few of these episodic, you know, episode by episode sort of series. Um, on the music side of things, we've got various different shows that are in the fold that are specifically focusing on different areas of music. We've got a show called Pick a Disc, uh, in which a friend of mine goes, talks to a one person each episode about an album they love as well. Um, the Giddy Carousel of Pop, which is, talking about old smash hits magazines from like the 80s which is a real nostalgia fest um we dig music which is fairly varied really and it goes into all kinds of different areas and can be about anything any week really um so and we buy records which is two uh middle-aged uh record enthusiasts uh, enthusiasts talking about buying records and being old really they're a pair, <laughs> pair, pair of talking about records basically but it's very good um and then yeah, various music, uh, movie podcasts. Uh, one one about Disney called "Without a Mouse," the old Disney live-action films, which is quite fun. Cinema Mortuary, which is about terrible horror sequels. Um, you Won't Forget Me, which is all about the life and films of Joan Crawford. So it's more about classic Hollywood. Um, and even one about Jean Claude Van Damme called "The Muscles from Brussels." <laughs> so you know <laughs> we're going through Jean Claude Van Damme's filmography. So we've got we've got quite a few, and that that's just a little a taster. We've got more to come we've got shows in the pipeline we've got things that are coming back um so yeah it's quite exciting really we've got a lot hopefully and it's just going to hopefully snowball and build from there over the next few years
0: so it's a final summary question yep tony (laughs) Uh, what would go into your homebrew to get you through the lockdown
1: okay uh I, i i don't know if i'll go with exact percentages for this but i'll, I'll just come up with a uh, a recipe of sorts i suppose so i would for me as i say in a fairly privileged position where i have access to these things it would be a um a good few tablespoons of podcasting a uh, a teaspoon or two of reading because i do like i am enjoying reading i'm catching up on books um uh, half a packet of television i think really <laughs> <laughs> and cinema um and also a good dash of where allowed and where possible getting outside and enjoying nature really going on walks um you know being out in the back garden because obviously we we're, we're, we're going into you know a nice period of of weather hopefully so um i think where where appropriate with lockdown procedures and things getting out and actually enjoying that because I mean uh, you guys may have noticed it as well but there is that that general feeling when you live in an urban area of the constant sort of hum of cars in the back in the distance it's not really there as much right now and there is more of a feeling that you can you can kind of hear and smell the world a little bit more (laughs) instead of it being drowned out by urbanization and that's quite nice and that's something I've picked up in the last few days so that's my recipe For I've probably missed things that I'll be doing. Spending time with my wife is also one. I shouldn't forget that, really.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that would be my concoction, I guess. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So, Tony, we'd like to thank you for joining us, telling us about all the work on on the We Made This Network, your thoughts on podcasting and, and the current lockdown and... Uh, some recommendations and uh words of encouragement for um uh, people who are listening um also i think just to pick up on one point um where i remember that as you were going through all your um all your different podcasts that you're producing i mean some are very general some are quite specialized but um i think it's always worth emphasizing that if you are interested in finding out about podcasts it's remarkable how there is a podcast for absolutely everything yeah. so if you are so if people are interested in you know in finding one just uh putting you know whatever terms into you know an itunes search or whatever or whatever your podcatcher is it'll always bring up something and there'll be somebody who's talking about it and that can be really nice just to find out that there are you know other fans of the same things other people talking about the same things or maybe people who are just willing to talk about things that you might be interested in
1: yeah i would put money on there being if you typed in a hardcore belgian trance music podcast I bet you try it. See what happens. It wouldn't surprise me. It's true. It is true. There is a podcast for anything, and that's the beauty of the democratization of all this. I think it's it's something that the corporations and the the, the businesses have tried to sort of gobble up over the last few years but I don't think they're ever going to be quite successful enough to completely monopolize this industry because it is too, while it, while it is free and available for anyone to have a micro, I'm sitting in my living room doing it, having a microphone with decent, and you can do it with decent enough sound quality. Now I think it's, it's going to be one of those free access joys for people who want to communicate and share their love of something that won't go away for, for at least a while. So yeah, it, it is wonderful. It is a great, hobby i know it's not for everyone some people prefer to listen than actually do it but if you're thinking right now in in this lockdown procedure particularly if you're finding it difficult if you're thinking that you've got things to say about something you love do you know what do it get in touch with me you know <laughs> you can call one of my podcasts and talk about it okay we actually have a similar podcast called um don't say the c word which is the c word being coronavirus not the other one um but it's all about coming on and talking to uh, one of our podcasters about um a particular subject you love and it can be anything you know he's had everything from assembling an arcade machine in your house to (laughs) to talking about star (laughs) trek so um you know that's an example and there are plenty more but don't be afraid to knock on doors and contact people. And if you get an opportunity to to appear in a podcast or even just create one, just do it. Seriously, do it. Because there are people out there who want to hear what you have to say. And don't think that what you're passionate about and what you have a voice for doesn't matter because it doesn't matter who you are. If you care about something enough, people will want to listen to you about it. So that's my big advice. Do it.
0: Um, where can people get in touch with you and find the We Made This Network?
1: So yeah, uh the we made this network is at wemadethispod.com. Uh, uh unfortunately, somebody's already got wemadethis.com the so and so. If I ever find out who they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh yeah, so you can find the website there and that has links to iTunes and all that thing. Um if you're on social media, we've got a Facebook page, just type in we made this and you'll find it and we made this pod on Twitter as well, which is where we're probably most active um and if you want to find me personally i'm at aj Blackwriter on twitter that's where i mostly live um and uh, you can find out what i'm doing and links to podcasts and various things on there as well.
0: well thank you so much tony for joining us it's been a pleasure chatting to you pleasure's
1: mine thank you guys it's been a real treat thank you
2: So once again, we'd like to thank Tony Black for joining us, telling us all about his podcasting endeavours into the world of pop culture and beyond.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Homebrew. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at TFCAA, on Facebook at Time for TimeForCakesNail or on our website TimeForCakesNail.com. And if you'd like to join us in a future Homebrew episode to discuss the effect that the lockdown is having on you or your creative endeavours, then do please drop us a line. But for now, from both of us, be seeing you. you.